Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Thank you. Leave it there. I'm not gonna steal it and eat it. You know, a lot of people believe that anytime we see something, we take it. No. I didn't mean you would fall. The last time I saw so many people was in Chicago. And while I agreed to come over here to speak and say a few remarks, I'm going to change that slightly. I'm going to change it because I feel that the person who's going to speak next has much more to offer, much more to say in terms of challenging you, challenging you to think some new thoughts. I mean that very seriously because after Chicago, many people were completely dissatisfied, grumbled, and no money came to NCNP. They felt that blacks had taken over what was essentially a white organization. Well, I think it is time now that we begin to recognize that the relationships between white and black by necessity has to be redefined. That no more, no more will black people follow blindly. That it is time for black people to share in all of the de decision-making processes and to begin to determine what their role in the struggle for their self-determination is. I realize it's very difficult and it's very painful because for too long, for too long, it has been the other way in some ways it's very hard to cut that umbilical cord. The man I'm going to present to you is James Foreman. He needs no other introduction except to say he is a black man. Thank you. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations to the NRA. It is because America has not invested in its people. Shame on you. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. Here we are. You're wrong. You're wrong.
Are you better off than you were four years ago? You didn't know this kid, okay? We did it. They're looking for help. We call BS. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved. And their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. Changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. This is the third rally in a week in support of the Boston Five at which I have spoken. First one was last Monday. The other one was in Los Angeles, of course, today. And I've agreed to do this primarily because I think it is absolutely essential to show solidarity, first of all, with Dr. Spock, who at the National Conference on New Politics Convention made a crisis decision. Many of his liberal white friends and sane were urging him to leave the NCNP, the blacks had taken over, we were racist, we were anti-Semitic, we were against Israel, and he shouldn't be in any kind of coalition with the demagogues and the dictators. And these same people, some of them, who belong to the American Civil Liberties Union just five days ago, said that they would not defend him legally, that they would not defend any draft cases. Now, there were branches of the ACLU, which, of course, didn't go along with that. And we feel within the Black Caucus that it is absolutely important to support him as an individual because of that decision and because we feel it was a right decision. And, and we think also that it is important to speak on these occasions because too often the speakers forget that there are black men who are also resisting the draft. And there's a more fundamental reason than that. We, as black people in this country, understand that we are the revolutionary force, which is going to be the vanguard and the final destruction of this system of government under which we live. We understand that. And we are not going to abdicate our leadership to anybody that as that vanguard force, which we will pay with our lives and bloods as we have been doing, we are not going to give up our leadership to anybody who is not willing, first of all, we're not going to share the leadership, and that should be crystal clear, but we are not going to give up the leadership and then have our struggle aborted, as we have seen it aborted in the labor union movements in this country as we have seen it aborted many, many other times. Now, we are fully aware that black people, you see, something happened just before this meeting started. Somebody got the report that I rambled in Los Angeles. You see, therefore, everybody was concerned, how long are you going to speak? And the speech was only 35 minutes. 
But what was happening was that we gave a speech down there with concrete suggestions for the anti-war movement, concrete suggestions which have not been introduced before, which were discussed fully Saturday in New York. And some of those suggestions people don't like because we raised the question, will white people be willing to kill for black people when they seal off the ghettos of this country? Will you be willing to take up a gun and shoot a cop who's shooting in Oakland for California? That's what we're raising, you see. And if that's a fundamental question, because you say you're against the war in Vietnam, you're against, you're for the Viet Cong, you're for the NLF. Well, are you for the black liberation fighters in this country, and will you support them and give them sanctuaries, and will you kill for them? Because that's fundamental. Now, I'm going on to the concrete suggestions that we have to make. First one is to recognize the right of the Vietnamese to have a war of liberation and to fight by whatever means necessary for victory. Number two, replace the phrase the peace movement with the anti-war movement. It is not enough to be for peace in Vietnam. We must also be against all wars in which the United States tries to stop liberation movements. We must resist United States armed intervention, especially in Latin America and in Africa, especially in Latin America and Africa. <laughs> Point number three, confront the money makers. We are suggesting and urging people around this country that on March the 5th, 1968, which is a Tuesday, to begin a series of demonstrations in all of the financial districts of the country in order to show the true imperialistic nature of this war. And we're suggesting, March, we're suggesting March the 5th because it's a symbolic date, you see, because a black man, Crispus Attuck, the first black man who died for your independence, my independence, so-called, was killed on that particular day, March the 5th, 1770. Crispus Attuck died in the American War of Liberation, and we think it's a symbolic gesture and it's an important step to begin to confront the money makers. We've confronted the war makers at the Pentagon, but we have not confronted the money makers in the financial districts of this city, of this country. <laughs> Number four, we are suggesting that we have sustained springtime, summertime, evening time demonstrations. That is, to hold these sustained demonstrations in all cities of this country beginning as soon as spring starts and as soon as the weather gets warm. These demonstrations, <laughs> these demonstrations should last three or four nights. For instance, in New York, they had 7,000 people out at a demonstration against Rust. The next night, Humphrey came to town and there was only 50 people. And that was primarily because there was a lack of planning and a lack of organization. Now, these suggestions are made basically to the anti-war movement. We understand that it is not just a white movement, but we feel that our comments here should be directed mainly to white people in terms of the implementation of this because we have some other plans. Now, <laughs> we, these demonstrations would snarl traffic cost money, overwork the police, and throw all the cities into a panic, especially if they're held between 5 and 10 o'clock at night, come back the next night. 
Number five, take to the streets. Number A, under five, resist the armament makers and confront the union traders. See, that's what a lot of people in Los Angeles didn't like to hear. There was not, there was some Birchites up there. We are saying that demonstrations should be held at both international union headquarters and regional offices. For instance, the AFL-CIO supports the war in Vietnam, supports President Johnson for all of his atrocities there. Meany just had lunch with him the other day. Now, there's no need to be talking about confronting just the money makers. We have to confront the union traders who are making these airplanes and who will not go out on strike. Johnson is saying... President Johnson is saying that in 1968 it's essential not to have strikes in key industries because it will hurt the war efforts. And therefore he's trying to pacify the union people and the leadership is going along with that. And we say that they are traitors if in fact they continue to do this and we say strike. Number B, or rather B under five, intensify mass protests against the Dow Chemical Company. Well, you've been doing that, so we'll just pass over that. There is a point, though, I mean, that is in terms of the induction center protests. I mean, we feel that a lot of the energies surrounding the induction center protests ought to also be taken out into these communities, into the white communities, you see? And that people should go out there into those communities and begin knocking on those doors and confronting and getting some of those people very, very involved. I mean, because what happens is, is that the anti-war movement basically politicizes each other and that there are no new recruits, there's no confrontation in terms of some people in the communities, white communities that is, and I mean if in fact, you know, all of the trips to Washington, flying to Washington should be stopped. We don't feel that there should be any more women's brigade, we're not objecting to what has happened, but we think that that kind of money should be spent in the white community I mean, where we're trying to get some of those poor people involved of protesting the war in Vietnam and so forth. <laughs> Number six, Vietnam Dialogue. We think that most middle class people forget that book reading is a middle class habit and that there are a lot of people who do not know the origins of the war in Vietnam and that if, in fact, middle-class whites are serious about ending the war in Vietnam, then they should begin to take a book or so into the white communities, knocking on doors, explaining to some poor whites, and there are a lot of them, well, about the nature of the war, and you might be surprised. You might get the door slammed in your face, and maybe that's why a lot of people don't go. I'm not sure. Uh, we feel that leaflets and discussion teams should go to churches, Women's peace groups should go into the communities to create this Vietnam dialogue. Now, in addition to that, we think that there has to be created organizations called White Americans to Support Black Liberation. See, everybody has been talking about, again, we said that in the beginning, so I'm rambling, that uh, the war in Vietnam is wrong and that you know, we definitely have to end that. But what about the question of the liberation struggle in the black communities? Now, I think that in order to understand what is really going on in the black community and what really faces us, all of us, in the anti-war movement, in the black liberation movement, 
It is essential to talk about certain things that have happened to black people in the year 1967 because it is not a sorrowful year. It is a year of high tide of resistance and it's a year in which we feel that the pitch of the liberation struggle rose to a new crescendo. And we are right here, right now in Oakland, California, and the imprisonment of Huey Newton, I mean, is an example, you see, of white terror, but it is also an example of the rising crescendo of the black liberation struggle. Now, I understand that Bobby Seale, the chairman of the Black Panther Party, is here, and I wish that he would stand. Where are you, Bobby Seale? And we should all applaud him. Seems that Bobby Seale couldn't get a place on the program tonight, and he's a very courteous gentleman, and he said that the meeting should go on, and he couldn't get us part of the gate, but they're going to have some buckets on the outside as you go out, and as you give money, obviously, I'm not trying to cut in on the collection for the Boston Five. After you have given some for the Boston Five, then give some money when you leave here for the Huey Newton Defense Fund. Now. Let us understand that the indictment of Dr. Spock was a calculated thing. It was a calculated attempt to test the reaction. It was a calculated attempt, we contend, also to show that if you indict five prominent white people, one of whom is a pseudo-doctor of many people, or the pseudo-father, that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that it becomes open season, you see, on black people. Remember that he was not arrested. None of the five were arrested. No bail was originally produced on them. Look at that. Look at the situation in terms of black people. How much bail is on Rap Brown? How much bail is on Cleveland Sellers, who faces five years in the draft? Take the situation of Eddie Oquendo, a black man in Brooklyn facing five years confined to the borough of Brooklyn, cannot leave in order to go around the country and mobilize support. Rap Brown is confined to the island of Manhattan, and the racist judges say that he can't leave. He cannot go around the country and hold mass rallies because they're afraid of what he has to say. And I think that we have to definitely understand the connection between the black liberation struggle and these indictments. Why? Because the draft is only one prop to the system. The draft is only one prop to the system. If, in fact, there is no draft, there can be nobody to defend Goldwater, Rockefeller, Lyndon B. Johnson, General Dynamics, Dow Chemical, and what have you. So that the draft is a prop which must be knocked out, because without a draft, you cannot fight the war. But there's another prop, and that's us, the colonial subjects, black people, our labor, historically. And we are beginning to knock out that particular prop. And that's why all of the confusion that's one of the reasons why you see that it becomes imperative that people talk and support the NCNP's concept of absolute equality in terms of positions on committees, and that may go against the grain of some people, especially in the Peace and Freedom Party, which rejected at San Luis Obispo, but you have your day is coming and it has to be rectified if, in fact, there is to be a true Peace and Freedom Party in California. That's a fact. doesn't matter about numbers. We're not talking about numbers. 
We're talking about a colonial condition and which is the revolutionary force in the country. And we've suffered from the racism in this country. You have not. There's a difference between the people who are exploited and the people who are colonized. Colonized people all over the world suffer from racism as well as exploitation. There are white people who suffer from exploitation. And in many instances in this country, they form a part of the colonizing class. And that's the difference, and that's the distinction. And it's that distinction which we understand and we're hip to. And we say it very loudly. There's something else that we have to say. And with this, I will close, hoping very well that I've kept within the time limits and I have not rambled too much. I'm about to say this, that we are not going to let leadership in the black liberation struggle be assassinated without full retaliation. And I say this, and I'm going to tell you what my price is, and you pick out which one you want to contribute to. My personal price for assassination is 10 war factories destroyed, 15 blown up police stations, 30 power plants destroyed, demolished, no flowers, one southern governor, two mayors, <laughs> one southern governor, two mayors, and 500 racist white cops dead, and all of them are racist and white, and it doesn't matter. Next thing, now this is no theatrics. It may sound theatrical, but this is no theatrics because the price on Stokely and on Rapp is triple what of my price because all of them have been receiving assassination threats and we intend to put an end to that. They may be assassinated. Nobody can stop assassination. But we say to the CIA people who are in this audience, to the local police agents, the FBI, and everybody else. And I've had conversations with Brother Ron Karinga last night, and he's preparing his price list. Leroy Jones will be out here tomorrow, and he's preparing what his assassination list. And I'll tell you this, there is, the sky's the limit if you kill Huey Newton. The sky's the limit. That's a fact. The sky is the limit if Huey Newton dies. And so in conclusion, I would say that we are indeed not in a pre-revolutionary stage in this country, but black people have entered into a revolutionary stage. And when we will fight and die, we will not fight and die for our leadership to be abdicated, for what we fight and die to be taken away by somebody who has not fought with us. Thank you. Thank you, Jim Foreman. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still breaks.
true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, you and nobody, nobody gonna hit as hard as fight. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My Yes, we can. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about it ain't how hard you get. It's about how hard you think you get and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how we do it. Yes, we can. I wanted to run out of that tunnel. For my dad. To prove to everyone that what? Public Access America. Yes, we can. On SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and now Facebook. Public Access Public America. Access America. History, in the, history in the making. 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 History in history the making. History in the making. Public Access America is waiting for you on the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Download the app for free and subscribe to Public Access America to get more episodes like this in your feed every day.